Have you got a question? I've got a question yeah. for you, James. <laughs> do you reckon? Do you reckon this is our? Uh, was this our fourth podcast we've recorded for the day? Do you reckon it's the same as we as the nine o'clock one, or is it? Does it? Does it just? Is it just me, or is it just a little bit more loose? <laughs> That's not going to make it onto the final <laughs> recording. <laughs> Hi, I'm James Atkinson, and welcome to the conversation that we recorded with Hayden Morgan, head brewer at the Malt Shovel Brewery, home of James Squire. Malt Shovel were kind enough to host us and some of our listeners for a Radio Brews News Christmas party earlier this month. We took the opportunity to catch up with Hayden, who joined Malt Shovel earlier this year from the Tui's Brewery, where he worked in roles including technical brewer as well as acting head brewer. He's also attained the highest level of brewing qualification offered by the Institute of Brewing and Distilling, that of Master Brewer. We hope you enjoy the chat. After a pretty amazing tour of some inner west breweries that have only been around for a year or two years or three or four years, we now find ourselves at the Malt Shovel Brewery where we're being hosted by Hayden Morgan, who is the new head brewer of Malt Shovel and the James Squire brand. Hayden, thanks for joining us on Radio Brews News. Thank you very much for having me. We're going to just introduce Hayden Morgan to, to our listeners. Um, what's your background? How did you manage to score what I would imagine is a pretty plum gig in the line business. Yeah, I can tell you where I actually started out was uh, quite interesting. So I started at Tui's on a six o'clock on a Friday night. And for anyone who knows, yeah, when you're a big brewery, you generally have these big tunnel pasteurizers on a packaging line. Uh, and what used to happen, there used to be fallen bottles. So they'd actually employ a casual to sit there for 12 hours to pick these bottles up. And that's what I did for a Friday night, Saturday night and Sunday night. So there's 36 hours of picking bottles up and don't you worry, you get pretty good at it after that time. <laughs> but what I did find is, um, you know, once I sort of started in there, I actually really, you know, started to understand packaging, and that's where I sort of started, you know, my sort of brewing journey, if you, if you look at it that way. So at this point, you, it was really just like a, you know, just a job, and there'd been no, you know, background uh, study that you, you'd had in any area that would have um, been, you know, correlated with brewing at all? No, nah, it's actually quite interesting. I was um, enrolled to become a, a Bachelor of Law and Bachelor of Engineering, and that was sort of the um, summertime job that I'd started. And once I sort of started to do that, I thought, who wants to be a lawyer? Yeah, there's, there's obviously opportunities within the brewing game. So I um, yeah, started, you know, got, got a full-time job as a, as a in the packaging uh, brewery technician at Tui's and started working on some of the high-speed packaging lines. And that's sort of, you know, where, and then once I sort of started to understand a little bit about packaging, you're like, well, what's this amber stuff that's coming in the bottle? And how do I make that? And that's sort of where, where the uh, interest sort of um, started. So you must have also, I believe, gone and got some professional qualifications um, in that time to kind of move your way up through the ranks in such a, you know, professionally run production brewery like Tui's as well. Yeah, so and I only spent a couple of years in PAC and then I actually went over uh, to the UK uh, for a couple of years and worked in a uh, brewery over there called Fuller Smith & Turner. So I was in the, as a packaging team leader there for a couple of years and then it actually really highlighted the, the different styles of beer, you know, looking at sort of the, some of their bottle conditioning, you know, that we obviously had the package and then like some of their, like their London Porter was absolutely amazing. It's probably one of my favourites still uh, to this day you know, from a you know, sort of European beer. Um, but that sort of starts to open your eyes and you go, hold on, there's a, there's a lot more out there from a, a beer style point of view. 
had a couple of years over there and back at the tours and actually started you know, in the as a brewery technician in the cellars. So you know, instead of sort of lugging around you know, one-inch hoses, it was four-inch hoses. So same sort of process, just bigger scale. And um, yeah, then started studying. Um, so done my general certificate through IBD and diploma as well and currently studying my master brewers as well. So, What was it actually like working in the Tui's brewery for as long as you did and, and making those beers versus now finding yourself here and making some very different style beers? Uh, to be perfectly honest though, I think what it's uh, taught me is the, the big brewery sort of side and especially some, you know, the beers that, that are done there, stuff like you know, New and Heineken for example at the Tui's brewery, there's a lot of technical aspect that needs to go in, very, very simple sort of recipes, um, so you need to make sure that the beer is consistent. Uh, every time, you know, wherever you're having it, New South Wales, Queensland or sort of WA, then it really needs to be a really good understanding of the technical aspect. So, you know, yeast impact, you know, raw material impact, what the seasons are going to do and then obviously what adjustments you need to make. Um, with those type of beers, you can't hide faults. Uh, and that's really what I've, you know, sort of learned over the years as a technical brewer too is as well. You know, so you need to understand what are the levers that are going to be pulled to obviously get a certain flavour. And then once you sort of come in, you know, on back into the craft side, it's just like, yeah, you know, the whole idea is that you can then apply these learnings into a small environment. And the key thing about the Squires range is, you know, our motto is never forsake flavour. But and if you sort of go back to the history, we've always had, you know, good quality, consistent, well balanced beers. And I think the other part is what I'm really, you know, sort of loving is getting back into recipe development. You know, so that that's sort of some fun stuff. So I think we've got a Tropicana Tall Tales you now that we're having at the moment. We've got a you know, Hot Father, which will be released as well in next year. And that's that's the fun stuff we're brewing. It's sort of, you know, not just doing the same beers every time. It's also sort of, you know, recipe creation. So was it also when you came in here and took this job, did you have to clean up the mess that was created by the previous head brewer? Or was uh, it in, were things in good stead generally? A little bit of A, a little bit of B. <laughs> Hope you listen, Chris. Uh, but uh, to be honest, he's out surfing. He's loving to surf at your Monday, I think, at the moment. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I think where you know, what I've taken over from Chris is there's really been a good focus on safety at this site. Uh, you know, there's, we've got some really talented brewers, so that aspect and recipe creation and new product development sort of been there. Um, so I think coming in, I think where my focus is going to be is how do we keep improving our quality. So using some of those you know, learnings from, from the bigger sites, how do you sort of you know, bring that into the small site to get that consistency and improve our flavour even more? Hayden, you touched there on, um, I guess, something that many of our listeners would kind of not think is, is necessarily a part of the James Squire kind of ethos and that is you now we've just had a, a look downstairs we, we talked about the tall tail that we're drinking now even the the hoppy hef um that's on tap as well you have an ability that maybe people don't realize to to play around in that you know that true craft space you've got a 60 liter system down there and a 120 liter that you can you can actually you know a pilot system that you can you can play around on how important is that I guess not, not so much for you guys to have fun with, but to let people know that, yeah, look, you know what, it's, it's not a factory. We do actually brew here. Yeah, I, I think the, the key thing with that as well is it's, it's recognising the history of this brewery. So obviously we've been here for close, to, near on 30 years um, next year. And you look at sort of the innovation development that's happened, you know, there. So 98, obviously, was when Squires come in. That was sort of Amber Ale was one of the first ones that really sort of, you know, and it, you know, it started to sort of change, you know, what, what Australians were sort of looking at in regards to beer. And I think, you know, from taking over the, from, from Chris in this role, it's sort of a key thing for this site still is it's about innovation. So, you know, you mentioned we've done a, a Squires uh, fruit beer, you know, five years ago. I don't think that, that would have been on the cards. Um, we've also, you know, we're doing an extra parlour, which is, you know, 
quite heavily dry hop, which is probably double the rate that we've ever tried here as well. So key part is to um, you know, to trial, innovate. But I think the other interesting thing is within the area that we're in, is that in the West, is that we've got you know 14 breweries within this area, and there's people are sort of you know, the, you know look at what Wayward's doing across the road with some of their sours, you know, fantastic. We actually um, Peter, our BBC brewer had a crack at a sour again a couple of years ago. You'd never think the Squires was even you know thinking along those lines, and that's really an important part for us is. To make sure that we're still relevant, we've still got our qualities is number one, but we're also bringing these beers to the forefront that you know, you know people want to come and try, and it's a little bit different. It's, you know, 150 is a great beer, but you know if you have a, a lovely uh, spring ale, Tropicana spring ale, it's, it's, it's sort of something different. And you know, our hibiscus hefeweizen is you know, a nice sort of um, challenging beer as well. But yet you've obviously got you know the um, you know the the powerhouse of the James Squire brand is 150 lashes, which is made. I don't know where wherever else it's made in Australia. Is that part of your role? Is to go to that brewery or those breweries and and ensure you know that that beer is being made consistently? Yeah, it is part of the role because I think the key thing is that if anyone has a whether it's a one fifty or a swindler, which you know a very delicious beer, is they want it to be consistent where they have it, and that's one thing having the experience in the bigger breweries um, and then you know being able to have those conversations to ensure that that beer stays you know the same where you have it in Queensland again down in Vic, um, you know, and that's part of my role to ensure that the consistency is there, and obviously the raw materials that we're using are, um, you know, are right up there. I, I never like to ask uh, a question like this, but how old are you? Very subtle, Matt. No, no, well, no, 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 it, 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 it's just not how I will grow up. We're sitting here in a building that is over 100 years old. You know, Chuck found, built this brewery in 1988, and I'm just actually wondering whether you were born when this brewery was first installed. So it would have been eight when the brewery was born, so that gives you an idea okay, how, how, okay. how old I am. So it wasn't as if I wasn't born, so... But I, I think the, the key thing, and, and that's the great thing about a spot like here... And I think we'll have a look at the, the brewers on a list um, previously. So if you look at some of the brewers you now that are still here, we've got guys like Freshy, who's been sort of part of some of the great recipes for the Squires range. We've got Pete Meriting, Meriton, sorry. And then if you look at some of the brewers that have been through and are working in the industry, uh, it's a really good training ground. Uh, and it's sort of like, it's that sort of focus on quality training. You know, and then people move you know, within different roles. And for me, I think that's a really important part is that, you know, we've actually got a couple of new brewers who are on um, at the moment and they're coming through our TAFE uh, system. So we work with Sydney TAFE, so we've got people on placement. And so, and that's the whole idea. Next brewers come through and we'll probably, they'll probably be my boss before I know it. <laughs> I have to say, that was in no way. I was just wondering because we have seen this. On one hand, people have come to craft beer four or five years ago and have very strong views about what craft beer is and what it means to them and what's true craft and then we've got this much longer term cycle and it, it, it's interesting to hear some of the things you've said about you know while we sit in a very old brewery that launched with an amber ale um, just about what craft is and, and, and what it means and to, to sort of hear your thoughts and uh, you know, so if you were eight I'm, I'm just quickly trying to do the uh, do, 30, 30, 37 well, because 35 is my um, touchstone at the moment because that takes you back to being 18 when Squires launched in 2000. And so anyone who remembers this brewery launching is considerably older than that. So, yeah, it, it's just interesting to see the, uh, the dynamics around the industry um, and uh, who's, who's now brewing, who's now taking control of the mash paddle at the uh, Malt Travel. 
That wasn't a question, so you don't have to say anything. Hayden, I guess one of the um, advantages that, that something the size of, of Squire has is the ability to bring beers that we kind of consider to be, you know, standards, you know, a traditional uh, Pilsner. And we're talking, you know, we're sitting here with a tap just over there that, that was good enough to, to win a, a gold medal in 2008, 2009 at the World Beer Cup. Um, how important is it, do you think, um, your role in, in bringing those sorts of beers to people who, up until you know yesterday, were drinking Reshers or Tui's or Emu Export or West End or, or whatever it was? So for me, for um, our Pilsner brand, especially our beer, it is amazing. You know? And it's one of those beers that I think it's, sort of, it's always sort of ticked over and done well. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, to, to make a really good Pilsner and to not have any faults is actually very challenging. Um, whereas, you know, if you make a pale ale or throw a shed loads of hops at it, you can generally sort of mask if you had a bit of a ferment issue or that, that little bit of dye is sitting underneath there. So for something like the Pil- Pilsner, it really shows the, the ability of the brewer, you know, deliver a really good quality beer. But it's also a flavour that's, you know, especially in this, you know, it's what, 35 degrees in here at the moment and it goes down so well. Nice little bit of bitterness, good body in it. And, um, you know, we're using obviously the, the old um, SARS hops. And that's really important, I think, to sort of you know, educate, especially a lot of the you know, people. Everyone loves an IPA or a double IPA or whatever, but to, to have a Pilsner is, I think, that's the next revolution I think we've got to sort of work towards. Yeah, you know, good quality Pilsners. And every time I've visited Malt Shovel, it's always the beer that the brewers sort of say is their favourite out of the core range. But yet, I don't, I, from what I understand, it hasn't really, as you say, it ticks over, but... Are you still making it in pack format now? Because I, I sort of understood that it, it was one of those beers that was a little bit on the precipice of whether it was worth keeping around in pack format. Yeah, no, we're still keg and uh, do 345ml baskets uh, as well here. So, yeah, and that's really you know, important for us to sort of keep that, that beer going because it is a great, great solid beer. And again, if we can get more people into it, that's sort of, yeah, all part of, part of my role to sort of work towards that. You've got a gentleman here who goes by the name of Chuck, who will uh, always who will always argue for that Pilsner to, to to continue to be made here. I believe he may enjoy one or two. <laughs> but that's the thing. Going back to my question about how old you are and how old this brewery is, we are starting to see arcs within the brewing industry where lager, which five years ago was an absolute dirty word, brewers are starting to come back and launch proudly. Pilsner style beers and talking about a true Pilsner. Um, you, you, you must, uh, whilst you haven't been head brewer here, you must have an interesting perspective to be in a brewery that launched with a Pilsner and an Amber Ale and seeing some of those styles starting to come back. Uh, I think 100%, you know, like if you go back to the turn of the century and if you sort of look at what some of the styles that were around, there was pale ales back then, maybe didn't, didn't use as much hops as we, we currently use. Um, and obviously, like you know, the lager wasn't really around to that sort of you know, quantity that it is today, and it, it sort of seems like we you know, within the brewing industry, or you know, we seem to go through cycles. And I think, you know, as I sort of mentioned, I think this cycle could be coming towards the pilsner, you know, because again, it, it sort of showcases the brewers' talents, um, you know, fine raw materials that go into it, and that's sort of like you know, for a uh, you know, consumer, if you're having a really nice pilsner, you really know that there's passion and there's, you know, the brewer's got a really good technical aspect you know, that's coming out of that. Aiden, um, from a personal standpoint, what are your um, Desert Island beers that you, um, you know, would, your, your top few beers that you, you mentioned you spent time at, at, at Fuller's, um, is that a style of beer that you have a special place in your heart for? 
Yeah, I, I really love uh, the London Porter from uh, Fuller's. It's a great beer. And, and I must admit how Porter is, you know, during wintertime sort of sits up there as well. Very, very sort of good quality Porter. That's the, that's the Squire Pilsner? Squire's, um, Squire's Porter. Um, the other one, it takes me back a few years when, you know, travelling around Eastern Europe is the classic Pilsner Hercule. Uh, again, a really good quality um, Pilsner. That fresh is, you know, next to none. And one, a little bit of a favourite at the moment is the Panhead XBA, which we've uh, just started brewing locally here as well. Lovely tropical hit that comes off that. And for me, that's a, a delicious beer to have at this time of year. It goes down quite nicely. On that note, what was actually the process that um, you guys have gone through to be able to brew those beers locally and try and do them justice? So I think the key thing is why we actually have brewed them here locally to sort of um, start off is, you know, beer is fresh is best for most beers. You know, some obviously the barrel age, etc. have it four or five years later. But for something like, a, a, you know, the Panhead XBA, it's really heavily dry hopped and you've got these, you know, beautiful hop aromas that come through it. And by the time it's brewed in um, Mount, upper Mount Hutt um, and sort of sent across to, you know, Sydney, six weeks old but by the time sort of Sydney punters are sort of getting it all sort of down in Melbourne. So the whole idea is that, you know, we brew it here, gives us the ability to sort of deliver fresh, you know, quality sort of Panhead. The interesting thing is, like, the Mike and Josh uh, who are over there uh, in Panhead, you know, Mike's the, sort of the head brewer, great guy, really knows what he wants from his beer. Uh, and, and as a brewer, you know, it was fantastic going across there, having a chat, having a, you know, trying a couple of the Panheads, but coming from a real technical, you know, sort of background and then sort of, you know, seeing Mike, he said, this is what it needs to look like, smell like and taste like. You know, specs-wise, there's a little bit of room to move, but if it doesn't smell like that or taste like it, it can't be sort of quick change. You know, for me, I was like, after sort of, you know, three or four years working with Heineken, I'm like, gee whiz, this is different. <laughs> but again, really good brewers, really know what they want from their beer. And then, so we, we did a couple of emulations here. Obviously, the first, you know, first one doesn't always go to, as planned. Then brewed it. Now, Mike had just come across, tasted it. Uh, but probably the, the first thing before they tasted it, Mike grabbed it, swirled it around, yeah, sort of, and he goes, that's the aroma I'm after. So once we sort of did that, it was a nice sort of light bulb moment for us here at the Malt Shovel Brewery as well. Go, look, now we can create these sort of beers here. Then he tasted it and said, yep, we're happy to run that as, as Panhead. But again, for me, it was like a nice refreshing sort of change to sort of see a brewer just go, I oh, know exactly what I want. A couple of non-negotiables for that beer. And as long as it, you know, the aroma's there, the flavour profile, by taste, not by you know, all these analyticals or anything like that, it's ready to go. When this brewery was designed, um, it probably wasn't with beers like that in mind, though. So what sort of challenges were there working with this specific kit to make beers that were so heavily dry hopped? Yeah, so, so obviously the, um, in 88, when Chuck you know, sort of brought these tanks over from NZ, got them sort of fabricated over there, there's no racking arm, no centrifuge here. Uh, and obviously, so it has thrown a lot of challenges for, for a brewery like this that was sort of set up for... You know, quality amber ales, quality pilsners, porters. You know, hops wasn't the, the first concern you know, back in sort of 19, you know, or 88, actually. So put it this way, we've had a bit of beer to go to the drain. We've had to try a few different techniques to obviously get what, what we need. The brewers have had a few challenges, but we're enjoying obviously having some of the uh, XBA on tap now. Can you retrofit that sort of stuff into a brewery, or does it not, not quite work like that when you've got the confines of space that you have here? There's different options and there's, there's some around, uh, probably the racking arm is you know, not the method you'd go because it's actually quite, um, quite a challenging one to get to and, and it's quite, quite costly. 
So we've uh, what we've done is a couple of different methods with spears and obviously sort of um, the ability to sort of then take out and not have all your hot hot tribes sort of moving through. So and it's a little bit co- yeah cost effective, but we've obviously then tapped on some of the shoulders of the bigger breweries and see what they're doing from dry hopping. We're sort of looking at yeah some other options there as well. How does it feel like you, you stepped out of the relative anonymity of a big brewery like Camperdown, where you, you, you've sort of come up? Suddenly, you are the brewer in charge of a you know, very personal uh, brand such as Malt Shovel at a time when brewers are the face of a, of a brewery. How, how does that feel personally to sort of uh, suddenly step into those shoes? Yeah, it was interesting because I had, um, as I said, like you know, a good portion of the time at Tui's and I sort of um, was filling in for the head brewer there for a little bit. And I must have been over the probably you know, 15 or so years on and off that I'd, I'd been there. Um, yeah, you know, I think over the last six months I've had you know more connection with that marketing aspect and, and sort of obviously sort of with guys like you and sort of been involved in that, which is for me it's it's I love it because I love talking about beer, yeah, you know, and, and love obviously having a beer or two. Um, so it's for me that's what the industry is about. And um, we've talked a bit about some of the the beers that Squires got out at the moment. Um, what about the malt shovel brewers range? Is that still um, you know you've got a few releases on the cards? Under that label? Yeah, so the one that we did for Sydney Craft Beer Week was the Hibiscus Hefeweizen. Um, so that was called the Camperdown Luau, which was a, a nice sort of, you know, tan on a, uh, a wheat beer and obviously using some nice hibiscus. You know, when we actually sort of put it in, it was this lovely tea, but it was just red blood everywhere. So it's probably not the thing you do on a, on a daily basis. Um, the one we previously we did before that was called a Carney Kolsch, which was uh, the Gabs beer. You know, everyone loves a Kolsch, everyone loves a Zuba Duper. Which one do you have first? Well... Yeah, you know, let's try and make a beer that sort of tastes like that as well. And also we had the Mint Heist, which was you know, a really you know, Belgian strong ale, which was an interesting beer. Uh, we've got four planned for next year, and I think the next one, you know, we're sort of toying with that at the moment, so we'll see what, what comes out for, uh, you know, around about March, I think, for that. Is it still sort of like that's an individual brewer comes up with a concept and has a crack at making it on the small system, and then you decide if it scales up? Is that sort of the model? Bang on. So, yeah, each of the brewer has their signature on the side, their brewer number, you know, obviously what, what ingredients they put into it. And it's a really good sort of recognition of the brewer involved to have that chance to sort of, you know, love a little label that sort of comes out of it. And on our last run, we actually uh, canned the uh, Camperdown Luau as well, which was the first, um, you know, crack we had uh, with that as well. What about within the Squire core range? Um, Hopfather is one of the beers you've got on tap. Is that sort of a new annual release for you guys? Yeah, so we're looking at doing that annually and sort of sort of come around around the um, Australia Day sort of period. And the whole idea of that is to recognise Squires, like, you know, the first Australian brewer. And the one that we've done for this year is an extra pale ale. And we've used a couple of different hops as well, which is Denali and Eureka. And they give a little bit of a, a pineapple that sort of comes through. And again, we've sort of used some of those learnings from Panin to uh, really go on the, the, the dry hop rate. And I trucks, you know, as soon as he sort of says, yeah, how much does it cost for uh, hops? If the, if the hop bill is more than a malt bill, you know, there's something going on. And apologies, but it, it was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and that, that's a new one that we'll release you know, for, for Australia Day. And we've got another three limited releases as well for next year for Squires. And that's some of the fun stuff that we'll be obviously sort of uh, releasing. And one thing I, I did have a quick chat with you guys about is around the um, 200-year-old yeast. So it's a shipwreck uh, yeast that we're potentially looking at for around the Gabs sort of time. And a great story that sort of sits in behind there is that, you know, there was a ship that was going from UK, you know, down through Tassie, got shipwrecked, sat there for 200 years, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they found the wreck, 
uh, extracted a couple of bottles from there. They sat on a shelf in the um, uh, Launceston Museum for a while, and all of a sudden, one of the curators gone, this actually looks like it's potentially a beer bottle and could potentially still have yeast in it. So they sent it across to uh, South Australia, the Wine Institute, and they've actually extracted some yeast. So we've had the, the opportunity to sort of do a couple of trial brews on our mini kit. So I think there's going to be some exciting stuff coming out of that, you know, to sort of work with a 200-year-old yeast that's very cranky. It's been at the bottom of the you know, ocean for you know, a couple hundred years, so uh, we'll see what the flavours that will be reduced, which will be interesting. And you had the Session IPA um, that came out in the middle of this year, which I believe is very popular as well. Yeah, so the Cabin Fever was uh, another just a small small run limit release, uh, and the whole idea of that was to sort of have one of those you know, beers that sort of released in winter, really sort of good quality session IPA I don't really like the term session because at the end of the day it should be a, a beer that you enjoy you know, it's not necessarily about you know, throwing it down but you still want that flavour and quality there and that's what this one delivered you know, a couple of sort of American hops that were thrown in there um, but, and that's the sort of stuff that you'll see from Squires going forward some of the you know, interesting sort of styles that we'll be having a look at um, and from the Malt Shovel Brewers which is more of a, a brewer led uh, rebellion and that's kind of, well, I think at least this year, it kind of replaced the, um, you know, the core range IPA, which um, being more of an English style IPA that hasn't sold quite as well as some of those more aromatically hopped style beers. Yeah, and I think it was, uh, it's sort of a, uh, how would you say, it's how the market is at the moment in regards to IPAs, that, you know, it, not really sort of going for that traditional English style that has that sort of, you know, really maltiness that sits under there and that really sort of, you know, bitterness that comes over the top, but not really driven by a large dry hop sort of character or anything like that. So unfortunately, you know, IPA sort of, you know, retired for a little bit and no doubt will be back later on at some stage. But yeah, the whole idea is to, you know, obviously see what people are, people are drinking and obviously that's part of our roles as brewers to make sure that we're, you know, we're brewing beers that people love. It's interesting to hear you talk about Panhead You've taken over Panhead and you've had to learn uh, a little bit about how they do their hop dosings. And, and yet when you, you step back and you look at beers like the Amber Ale and the Pilsner that a long time ago were probably fairly adventurous. It sounds like in a brewery, even such as this one, there is a constant learning process and a constant experimentation process where you guys are learning something every time you uh, brew a new beer. Is that a fair assessment? I think as a, a brewer, if you ever sort of think you, you know everything, yeah, you probably should be uh, out in an island somewhere. I, I think that's the key thing, and that's the, sort of what you know, brings us to the brewery every day, is that there's either a new hop variety that's coming along, there could be a new technique to sort of improve flavour, and that's part of our roles is to sort of say, well, you know, let's give it a crack, let's learn from it, and let's just not make the same mistake twice. <laughs> that's normally the... Uh, and that's what makes it fun. And, um, Hayden, also you've kind of got a pretty schmick looking bar here these days um when can people actually come in here and experience the malt shovel brewery firsthand if they're not industry people like us very good question so um obviously it has been uh, renovated up here and it looks really really nice so we are working through from a license point of view what that means and yeah, hopefully within the next sort of six to 12 months, we may have a bit of a, a plan around it. But um, I think one of the key things for us as well, we are still an operational brewery, which sometimes can make it a little bit tricky. Uh, we do have open during the uh, Sydney Craft Beer Week. That's always a good good uh, event to come along to. Um, but yeah, in regards to that, we don't have a, a set time frame, but we are working towards it. Uh, Hayden, you probably haven't noticed because you've got your back to him, but um, in the last 29 minutes or so, I reckon the boss, the, the titular head... Uh, Chuck Hahn 
has wandered over about six or seven times. I can't help thinking he's maybe just listening in just to make sure that uh, you know, you're saying the right things. But in all seriousness, do you kind of, having now taken over you know, the head brewer's job, and, and like I say, 30 years down the track, do you kind of feel, not the weight of expectation, but do you kind of feel that you're carrying on a legacy that, um, that in this industry, in this country, which is very young, um, has got somebody behind it, you know, that's, that's meant so much and done so much for the industry? Do you, do you feel that responsibility? Well, 100%. I think, you know, when I actually found out I, I had this job, to sort of learn that, you know, you come into a brewery that started 88 years ago, sorry, 1988, and it was sort of, you know, Chuck sort of, you know, was so far ahead of his time sort of looking at brands, wanted people to taste different beers. For me to come to a role, sort of have that opportunity to sort of, you know, work alongside, learn from someone like Chuck with, you know, many years of experience within the brewing industry, it's, it's priceless. Um, you know, and I think we had, a, we had a snow trip with some of the brewers and we were actually staying at Chuck's place and it was like, shit, we're actually staying at Chuck Harms' place you know, on, a, on, a, you know, on a ski trip. Like, who would have ever thought, like, you know, five years ago that that would be the, you know, the point I'd be at? But, and I think that's probably one of the important things and, and what a lot of the brewers really value is asking those questions for guys like Chuck, guys like Freshy, who, who have had a lot of experience within the brew, you know, brewing industry and it helps us, helps us to learn, helps us to sort of obviously develop. Um, and also, I think it's a, yeah, a great experience. Chuck, you've seen a few um, brewers and head brewers come and go in your time in Malt Shuffle. Um, let's, let's do... Wait, not, let's, not Chris Sheen. Let's do, let's do Hayden's performance review. Uh, how, how's he going? Well, he's not doing too, too bad for a starter, right? You know, he's got, he's got the passion and he's got the ability to, to taste beer. I think that's what's important. Because that's the final thing. We can analyze something, we can scientifically look at it, but if it doesn't taste right, people aren't going to accept it. So I think that's really what he brings. So he has a, a good uh, palate, he's able to taste the beer. But what we want to do is consistently make very balanced beers. And that, that's the key to success, no matter what you're doing. When you taste some of the beers that are coming out under the Squire name these days, um, do you sort of think of, about where the brands come from, and you know, do you do you kind of are you a bit surprised sometimes by the sort of styles of beers that are being made under the brand name? Uh, certainly. I mean, when you look at what we launched James Squire with, uh, something that he would have brewed at that time, more of an English style brown ale, the original amber ale that we had. Uh, now you look at that, it's pretty ordinary. But back then, it was quite adventurous to have something that dark with a nice creamy head on top. We've come a long way since then, and adding more and more hops, uh, having different levels of alcohol, brewing with different types of ingredients. But I've always said I only brew or I'm involved with brewing beers that I like to drink myself. And whatever's left over, we try to sell. And I think that philosophy has really come through uh, with everything that we do um, with James Squire and Kraft and uh, Hayden and his his team now. I'm fully confident. I mean, he's got a, a good team uh, working with him. And once we, we get Freshy back, that'll help round it out a little bit. All right, guys. Well, we might leave it there. Um, thanks so much for having us today on what is about to be the Brews News um, Christmas, Christmas party with some of our listeners and, and readers. Um, happy Christmas. And uh, thanks for joining us on Radio Brews News. Cheers, thank you. Oh, cheers. <laughs> thank you. I can have a, have a beer on that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and Merry Christmas. <laughs> so. Cheers. That was Hayden Morgan. If you enjoy Radio Brews News and Beer is a Conversation, please rate us and leave a review on your favourite podcasting app, like iTunes. 
We look forward to joining you next time for another conversation about beer.